up this phase. Just trying to holler at y'all and see what's going on. Had a lot on my mind reminiscing, trying to figure out these things that are going on my mind. Trying to figure out some puzzles. I'm not here to start nothing. I ain't trying to start nothing. Just got some things that I want to get done. Some things that I want to get solved. Some things I want to enlighten myself with. So maybe y'all take a time and to get the opportunity to stop by and listen to my thoughts. Hope so. Very intellectual. So if you get time, just holler at me. I'm reminiscing all in my room. Just trying to figure out a whole lot of things. Until then, y'all have a great day. And thank you for coming in and listening to me. Thanks. Just talk, can we just talk, talk about where we're coming Before we get lost, let me out of thoughts Can't get where we go without knowing My brothers and sisters, I think let us be a bit realistic about what is going on in the world today Many years ago in Berlin, Europeans sat down and subdivided our continent as time separating a brother from a sister. After they finished doing that and colonizing us, they went ahead and taught us to fear, hate, and keep away from each other. So you are my neighbor, but I fear you, and I want to mingle with you. Let me give you an example and use a few African examples. Today, it is easier for a European to travel within Europe without requirement of a visa. They can trade, make money, visit each other, spend money, and the European Union area, and they make a lot of money, they're becoming rich and rich every day. In Africa, our former colonies and what they taught us still prevails. Then they mingle among each other. Today in Africa, the reality is that for an African to visit a European nation, an ordinary African, to visit an European nation, is like, let me give you an example my teacher used to use, it's like trying to milk an elephant because of the visa process. However, for a European to visit an African nation, most of our nations, it is like a walk on the beach. It's like going to have a cup of tea. But then that is not the problem. The tragedy is that now for an African to visit a fellow African within the African Union, the visa restrictions in many of our nations among us, between our brothers and sisters, is like trying to brush the teeth of a crocodile. They came, divided us, and they have taught us to keep each other from each other. Then they're mingling with each other and making money and growing, but they have taught us to hate each other. But for us to really enjoy the true economic benefits of the Africa continental free trade area, we need to behave like the Europeans and allow for the free movement of people and trade. Our development agencies, such as the African Union Development Agency and others, cannot really succeed when there are all these restrictions among ourselves. 
To this end, in our contribution to this continental aspiration, Kenya is committed to progressively, and we are moving very fast by the end of this year, to abolish visas to citizens from African Union member states to make it easier to invest and do business in Kenya and across the continent. We are going to open the borders of Kenya. We do not fear our fellow Africans. Come, travel to Kenya. Live, do business in Kenya. Trade, make money in Kenya. And we hope we'll get reciprocity with the rest of you. Let us open our continent so that we can make money and live together. Let us remove the shackles of colonialism that are still embedded in our heads and be able to move forward. Mr. Chairperson, Excellencies, climate change continues to ravage lives and livelihoods of millions. Of we must remain faithful in the implementation of decisions that we make in our sessions. Let me say something that some of you may not like. African Union needs to be self-reliant. As long as the bulk of the AU funds come from outside the African continent, we somehow will find ourselves dancing to the music that is not of our own making. Therefore, we must address the issue of reforms that will enable us to fund our own programs. Funding that comes from our friends is good, but it needs to be funding that is in support of our programs and not our lifeline. Therefore, this calls for a critical look at the architecture of the African Union and the way we implement our decisions and the way we fund this continent. It's a discussion that we must have and we must agree to ourselves that we need to take care of ourselves so that others can support us, but we are not being told to dance. My teacher used to say that at times when, when you're wearing somebody's suit, you know, and you start dancing, they start telling you slow down because you may ruin that suit, you know. We want to wear our own suits and dance the way we want, not to the tunes of other people. See, he, he, he kind of thinking, fam. I see, I see the, the, the good thought process that I, I see in him and he, what he talking about. The U.S., U.K., Spain, Germany, Greece, Italy, and France. Those are the countries that majority put our forefathers in bondage and continue putting us in bondage. And you see the crafty council, how they did over there to separate all them people. But my mindset is, <clears throat> this is why I don't understand this, um, people in America, the mindset right here. Um, say, if I'm in Georgia, I mean, I'm in uh, Maryland, and another dude is in D.C., right? I got to look at that dude like he ain't my brother. I got like, uh, to look at that dude like he a threat. You know what I'm saying? Even though I can go, it take me X amount of time to get there, less than an hour. This, this is the crafty council 
how they do in Africa, how close they are, like that. And um, and, and and the Crafty Council of the Caucasian Man put this out there to hate their brothers all over through the country. They said, just like Virginia, Maryland, D.C., Carolina, Philadelphia, New York, you know, all these divisions of countries. And yet I got to look at you as a threat. And the really threat is the Caucasian man. You know, we don't wanna, we don't wanna, when when I talk like this or say things like this, we don't wanna digest the truth. See, these people already told you the truth. This man already told you how, how um, United States, UK, Spain, Germany, Greece, Italy, France, what they did to Africa. And who are them? Who are them? Are they Chinese? Are they Arabs? Are they Egyptians? What nation of people are these? The European nation, y'all. That's what we don't see, man. I don't know about y'all, man. Y'all ain't ready for the most out of cuff. That's why we got to get the mindset of what's going on and be prepared for what's going to happen. But we still, we don't want to hear this because when we hear it, it make us feel a certain type of way, right? And then when things make us make us uncomfortable, then we kind of shy away from it. But still, reality still gonna be reality. Let's analyze. You have to answer this question first. What is the Africa we want? So we say we want an Africa that is free of violent conflict and war. What leadership do you produce to get that result? We want an Africa that is free from poverty. What kind of leadership do you need to create to, to end that poverty? We want an Africa that is free of, that, that, that is driven by women's emancipation. Where is this leadership? How do you create it? We want an Africa that is free of corruption. How do you produce this leadership that is not corrupt? Now, these are the questions I took or to answer these practical things that President Kagame was talking about. And it's not an easy question to answer. But I think critically, we were discussing this thing yesterday. Critically, we need a critical self-assessment of ourselves as Africans. To say, as, as, President, as President Kagame was saying, we've been discussing this thing about the quality of leadership challenges we face for a very long time. But when have we sat down to say, now let us assess, no, you, 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 Tabombegi, were president of South Africa for so long. Let's assess your performance. Did you provide this kind of leadership that is suitable for this Africa that we want? Where did you go wrong?
We've got the African peer review mechanism which President Obasanjo can speak about. That's part of what it was supposed to do. So that we sit as peers to say, no, but the president, you are misbehaving. You are stealing public resources. You've accessed power in order to put money in your pocket. This is not the leadership we want. But we're not doing that sufficiently because we're afraid. We're afraid to speak frankly to one another about the wrong things that we're doing. And I think if we don't do that, we will meet a century hands to discuss the same question. I think that critical self-assessment of the continent is necessary. And I mean a real, critical, truthful self-assessment. That's critical and I think that's a very, that would be an important step forward in terms of uh, producing this kind of leadership, which I've ever the military leaders of Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger have signed a mutual defense pact that binds the signatories to assist one another, including militarily in the event of an attack on any one of them. Ministerial delegations from the three Sahel countries announced this in Mali's capital, Bamako, on Saturday. The contracted parties undertake to combat all forms of terrorism and organized crime in the common area of the alliance. Calls the Liptako-Guma Charter, the pact establishes the Alliance of Sahel States, AES. The Liptako-Guma region, where the Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger borders meet, has been ravaged by jihadism in recent years. Of course, everything starts with security, but the heads of state must also think about economic issues, how to bring the different countries closer together, and how to facilitate trade between our different populations. All these issues will be added to the Charter in the coming days. All three countries have undergone coups since 2020, most recently Niger, West African bloc ECOWAS threatened to intervene militarily, but Mali and Burkina Faso quickly responded by offering their military supports to Niger. This organization, the United Nations under whose auspices we the nations of the world are gathered for the annual review of the world, was established in the belief that our common humanity would be the overriding consideration in dealing with the problems that would invariably arise when we deal with one another. There is no doubt the organization has achieved a great deal in its 78 years of existence, of which we can all be justifiably proud. But it is also true that the reluctance by the nations that were the major powers at the formation of the organization to agree to any reform to reflect present realities has led to the undermining of the credibility of the United Nations and some of its organs in particular, the Security Council. Ghana is currently serving out the second of its two-year term on the Security Council as a non-permanent member. This is the fourth time in the 66 years since we joined the UN, the first post-colonial African nation to do so, that we've had the privilege of serving on the Council. Mr. President, it has been a sad and disappointing experience for us. We witnessed it firsthand, over and over again, that the big powers of the United Nations, 
might be preaching democracy, fairness, and justice around the world, but are happy to practice the opposite here at the United Nations, prioritizing parochial interests over those of humanity. Back in 2017, the first time I addressed the General Assembly as president of my country, I spoke at length on the need to reform for reform of the United Nations and of the Security Council in particular. I said then that the urgent need to reform this organization had been talked about and scheduled for a long time, but somehow we've never found the courage and the will to execute it. I said then that Ghana supports UN reform, especially of the Security Council, as set out in Africa's common position on UN reform based on the Ezulwini consensus. Mr. President, I said then that the time was lo long overdue to correct the long-standing injustice that the current structure and composition of the United Nations Security Council represent for the nations of Africa. After serving on the Council at this difficult time in the world, our views on the need for reform have been even more strongly reasserted. We cannot continue to preach democracy, equality and good governance around the globe. We cannot insist on, insist on peace and justice in the world when our global organization is seen by the majority of its members and the people of the world as hampered by an unjust and unfair structure. Mr. President, the Assembly has quite properly chosen the rebuilding of trust as critical in restoring stability and prosperity to our world. We cannot rebuild that trust when the organization that should bind us is seen by many as helping to perpetuate an unfair world order which is reinforced by an inequitable, dysfunctional global financial architecture. Mr. President, for the, fast, for the past year and a half, a full-scale war is being waged in the center of Europe. The United Nations appears unwilling or unable to influence the events taking place in Ukraine. Ghana has sat on the Security Council throughout this period and can testify that the global solidarity we seek to reignite under the umbrella of the UN will only happen if and when it sees those who wield the mighty power of veto. And at the moment, there's nothing to show that these countries have any interest or inclination to do so. Ghana still believes that this organization provides the best vehicle for the world to manage its hydro-headed problems, but it can only function effectively and meet our expectations when we reform the pillars upon which it rests. Anything short of that will continue to undermine its credibility. Mr. President, I do not refer to the events in Ukraine and seek to pretend to ignore the tragic events in my own neighborhood of West Africa and the Sahel. Instability in the Sahel and widespread terrorist activities have put West African countries under severe political pressure and economic strain. Several countries in the region have lost vast stretches of territory to the rampaging terrorists. Coup d'etats 
have reemerged as some as what some mistakenly hope would be the solution to the threats that confront their nations. We in the West African region are trying as best as we can under the very trying condition we face to deal with the situation. We are convinced that the conflicts that continue to plague our continent and our region in particular would be more satisfactorily resolved if the international community was to support, not undermine, the efforts of our regional and continental organizations to deal with them. Africans fought and died in the Second World War in defense of Europe and her allies, who reset the world towards the path of peace and prosperity that their nations and citizens have enjoyed for decades now. Hundreds of Libyan protesters on Monday gathered for demonstration at a mosque in flood-stricken Dena. They call on authorities to expedite their investigation into last week's disaster for those in charge of cities' infrastructure to be arrested. We call for all the officials to be held accountable and arresting them. Those who were in charge of the city were not qualified. Those who were appointed despite being rejected by the city's residents. They've also called on the UN to set up an office in Dena for urgent reconstruction of the city and compensation for those who were affected by the flood. Has denied entry to several officials from the European Parliament who were on their way to the country for an official visit. The delegation from the Foreign Affairs Committee is now demanding an explanation. We condemn the decision of Tunisian authorities to refuse entry to the European Parliament Foreign Affairs Committee delegation and demand a detailed explanation. This conduct is unprecedented since the democratic revolution in 2011. We remain convinced that the dire economic and social situation in Tunisia, further aggravated by the humanitarian crisis, urgently requires a comprehensive national dialogue, without which the prospects for stable political and economic development in Tunisia remain bleak. That follows the signing of a migration deal between the EU and Tunisia in July. The long-awaited agreement promised that the bloc would engage in trade investment and energy cooperation with Tunisia in exchange for tighter border controls. Brussels also agreed to fund improved search and rescue operations as well as anti-smuggling measures. Tunisia is a major departure point on the central Mediterranean route through which African migrants reach EU countries, particularly Italy and Malta. It is considered the most active route for refugees entering into Europe. Nearly 66,000 illegal crossings were reported by authorities in the first six months of this year. There were more than 100,000 last year. International relations researcher Bashir Juini says that relations between Tunisia and the EU leave much to be desired as the deal will not resolve the migration crisis. Tunisia and Europe is not in a good time. I think that uh, the agreement of migrants does not work as uh, usually uh, Tunisian and European responsible uh, says. I think that uh, the agreement does not work because it's based uh, just uh, give me money, I will stop immigrants. I think the, 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 the issue is more complicated uh, than this uh, um, 
uh, agreement. And uh, you see uh, yesterday and uh, before two days, uh, the number of uh, immigrants in, uh, in Italy uh, was a huge number. Uh, and uh, uh, most of them are coming from uh, Tunisia. Uh, uh, I think that uh, we should uh, see our relation with uh, Europe with another eyes. I think Tunisia as an independent state has said, okay, we don't uh, accept this delegation, but also uh, uh, Tunisia must also, does not accept. As denied entry to several of Well, think about the Sahel region. One of the poorest, yes, yet fastest growing demographically. The succession of military coups will make the region more unstable for years ahead. Russia is both influencing and benefiting from the crisis, and the region has become fertile ground to the rise of terrorism. This is of direct concern for Europe, for our security and our prosperity. So we need to show the same unity of purpose towards Africa as we have shown towards Ukraine. This is a must. We need to focus on cooperation with legitimate governments and regional organizations. We need to develop a mutually beneficial partnership which focuses on common issues for Europe and Africa. And this is why, together with HIV... See, y'all fam, you hear the crafty councils that they're trying to do. Like they're trying to get Africa like Africa need their help now. EU say save Africa from Russia. They trying to do the same way they doing the Ukraine. They, now they trying to plot on Africa the same way. Looking at it that way. Now here's the crafty council that they going fam. Now you hear it. That's analyze. We will work on a new strategic approach to take forward at the new, at the next EU-AU summit. Honorable members, history is on the move. Russia is waging a full-scale war against the founding principles of the UN Charter. This has raised immense concerns in countries from Central Asia to the Indo-Pacific. They are worried that in a lawless world, they might face the same fate as Ukraine. Now listen to this chick, y'all. Did y'all hear a fan? You know, she talking about what Russia trying to do. But the main thing is, Russia kept saying, don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. I'm begging you not to do it. Okay, if you do, all right now, if you do it, you know, this is going to happen. Oh, you still going to do it? All right. We, now, now, if Russia going through all this, trying not to, not trying not to go where they at now, how is it Russia fault? You know what I'm saying? These are the crafty counsel of all these devils that the Bible's speaking about. You know, so you got to realize and understand and go back and listen to what she's saying. Because what they know, if, if Africa 
go and do away with the European nation, the European nation gonna fall. And only, and then you heard the, the, the thing that she said about Russia breaking the UN code, United Nation code. So what code, what code is the United Nation doing that other people talking about the United Nation is nothing but the devil. So the the code of devilness, the code of wickedness, evil. Because they know, they know for a fact that if Russia get in line with Africa, Russia gonna be the strongest European nation out there. But I'm trying to figure out all this folding up now. I don't know about y'all. I hear all this that they talking about now. Now, I believe in the scriptures and what the scriptures say. I see that you hear when I say they keep forcing Russia. They keep forcing Russia until Russia got to the point now that they, they having a war with Ukraine now. And this bit in the back, building up, boiling up. The, the pot is boiling over type of situations, right? Now, I told you the most I said, he go, Russia don't want to do it. The most I go keep rolling them in. Russia still reeling them in. You see, you see how the how how the how Bible prophecy saying what how Russia gonna blow um, come over here and have um, blow a bomb over here. That's Bible prophecy, right? So if Russia gonna throw a bomb over here, and that's Bible prophecy. Now, and I'm looking at how these things and how this situation gonna manifest. Because we supposed to get next. We supposed to rule the world. So I'm trying to see how Africa, how they building all this. Because if the Bible, if the Bible is true, which I believe, and it says that we, the true children of God, and we came over here because our forefathers didn't do what the most I require him us them to do as a nation. And now he said that he coming back and restores back into our rightful place. Then I'm trying to see myself how this prophecy's gonna pan out. That's all I'm trying to see. Because I already see the 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 the, the, the narrative that I, I I gave y'all about the throwing the fish out fish hook out there and catching that big old bass and he 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 wrestling with it. I already see that now in Russia and Ukraine. Now, now, now America is going all wopsided on position. Now they see Africa is doing another thing. So they got to come away from Ukraine so they could start worrying about putting their military over there around Africa. And with some crafty counseling. Because they got the richest. 
and they know that they can't, ain't no other nation gonna survive without Africa resources, technology. Not China. Because if they drop, if, if Africa, if like like the, the one of the um, wise men that was speaking back in there was saying, stop depending on other nations giving you handouts and grow within. And then you ain't got to owe everybody owing them billions and billions of dollars or obligated to them to sit up in your land and dig out of your property, stealing your resources and, not, and giving you pennies for a dollar. Just talk, can't we just talk, talk about where we're coming Before we get lost, let me your thoughts Can't get what we do without knowing Egyptian Foreign Minister Sameh Shukri met with his French counterpart Catherine Colonna in Cairo on Thursday during their meeting, the two ministers discussed bilateral relations between Egypt and France, as well as the latest developments in the region, including the Palestinian issue. We also discussed regional issues, including those of the Middle East, the Palestinian issue, and the situation in Libya. I take this opportunity to express my condolences to the Libyan people and to the Egyptian families affected by the deadly floods. My thoughts are also with our brothers in the Moroccan Kingdom after the earthquake in the Atlas Mountains area. On her part, the French foreign minister said the ramifications of the war in Ukraine were being felt worldwide, adding that Egypt had been greatly affected by an increase in food insecurity. The negative consequences of the war and aggression that Russia has chosen to launch are impacting countries worldwide. This is evident in the form of rising prices, challenges in the energy supply sector, extreme price volatility and food insecurity. The country in particular has been affected by the surge in food insecurity. Earlier in the day, Colonna held talks with Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi on bilateral relations and a number of regional issues. So what they're trying to do is, they France still trying to find space in Africa. France still trying to have their claws up in there and everything. And all these are now the Caucasian worries. This is what this is right here. They worrying about what gonna happen in the future when everything starts unraveling for their for their nation. Let's analyze. Summit is underway in New Delhi. Big things are happening, and our very own Yunan O'Neill is on the rooftop at our special studio, leading our coverage for the summit. Let's go live to Yunan now for the latest.
Yeah, the opening day at the G20 Forum here in New Delhi. The first time the nation has ever held the summit is a wrap. And a lot was decided upon today. Just to go through some of the main issues now. Uh, the G20 member states have agreed on a joint declaration. That was announced by Prime Minister Narendra Modi earlier. And it really signals a big event change because there had been talk it wouldn't happen the first time a joint communique may not happen because the sticking points were the Ukraine conflict and also who's going to pay for climate change. So that appears to have been ironed out. We await the final communique uh, tomorrow, Sunday. And when that comes out, uh, we will, of course, bring it to you in detail and just go through the fine print. But it does seem to be a type of victory, uh, at least for uh, Russia, because it appears to maintain a neutral stance without directly uh, condemning uh, Moscow. Uh, the G20 has called for a peaceful resolution of the conflict as well. Something else uh, today. It is uh, worth noting that the G20 may not, going forward, be known as that any longer because the African Union is to become the latest fully-fledged member. So G21 may be just around the corner. Uh, that had been promoted for some years. Russia did it, China did it, and now India, give its backing, invited uh, the African Union to join, and they seem to have fully uh, agreed to that. Let's have a look at the remarks from Prime Minister Narendra Modi on that. This period in the 21st century is the time to give the entire world a new direction. It is a time when all challenges demand new solutions and therefore we must fulfill our responsibilities with a human-centric approach. India has become a symbol of inclusion. India has proposed permanent membership for the African Union in G20. I am confident that we have consensus on this proposal. Prime Minister of India Narendra Modi announcing officially that African Union, remember, which is a mega grouping of over 50 countries, it is now officially a part of G20. Uh, that announcement also in all likelihood is expected tomorrow that the G20 bloc will be called the G21. Uh, now, of course, uh, here at uh, the venue at Pragati Maidan in Delhi, uh, session one uh, started. It was called One Earth. Now, remember, India's presidency is themed at One Earth, One Family, One Future. So session one was called One Earth. And uh, the focus, really, of session one with climate finance and climate action. Uh, remember, under India's presidency, this was one of the key areas that India believed that it needs to focus on. Uh, also, biofuel alliance, that is something uh, that uh, perhaps would have been a, a major topic of discussion in session one today. Everything as far as uh, the G20 summit on day one is concerned, it's going
going well on time. It started uh, with remember Narendra Modi uh, meeting, greeting, shaking hands with uh, uh, with the leaders from across the world. Uh, and really, we are keeping a track on all of those sessions. There will be, uh, of course, tomorrow a big day when we're going to be waiting to see whether that Delhi declaration will take shape of a joint communique or not. Uh, of course, uh, the sticking point there has been Ukraine, China and Russia on one side and of course the West, the US and its ally on the other. Uh, and, and really geopolitical experts saying that despite G20 being a forum where uh, say international economic cooperation should be discussed, uh, it has been sort of become a battleground so to say uh, to discuss geopolitics which is unfortunate but India being the mediator Goma Rarus area in northern Mali this was where a passenger boat was attacked by suspected jihadists on Thursday according to the Malian army there are no details of any casualties so far the boats plying an established route between cities along the river was targeted by at least three rockets which aimed at its engines. The ferry's operator said the vessel is immobilized on the river. The attack comes after an Al-Qaeda-linked alliance. The support group for Islam and Muslims, GSIM, announced last month that it was blockading Timbuktu, the historic crossroads city of northern Mali. The Sahelian state has been struggling with insecurity since 2012 when a revolt led by ethnic Tuaregs erupted in the troubled north. In northern Mali, the regional rebellion was formally ended by a peace agreement signed between the rebels and the Malian government in 2015. Gabon's election committee announced early Wednesday that President Ali Bongo Ondimba had won the election. Within minutes, gunfire was heard in the center of the capital. Soldiers then appeared on state television to announce they had seized power. In the name of the people of Gabon and as guarantors of the institutions, we have decided to defend peace by putting an end to the current regime. To this end, the general elections of August 26th and its truncated results are cancelled. The borders are closed until further notice. All the institutions of the Republic are dissolved. The military men included members of the elite Republican Guard, regular soldiers and others. They introduced themselves as the CTRI, Committee for the Transition and Restoration of Institutions. Ali Bongo's main rival had denounced fraud orchestrated by the Bongo camp during Saturday's general elections. And it escalates as Niger's new military leaders have reportedly suspended, get this, all exports of uranium and gold to France, which relies on resources very, very heavily from the West African country. Let's uh, shed some light on this with RT contributor, Rachel Master. Where would the coup leaders in Niger possibly get the idea that France had any interest whatsoever in intervening in its former colony? Well, it might have something to do with a statement that was put out by the French presidential palace, the Elysee, on Sunday that read, quote, anyone attacking French nationals, the army, diplomats and interests would see France respond immediately and intractably. And by French nationals, they mostly just mean one guy named Mr. Uranium, because Niger is France's top supplier of it.
providing 15% of its total supply and a fifth of the European Union's. And the mineral is absolutely critical to power France's nuclear reactors. You see, France's energy independence is ironically very dependent on Niger, which would explain why French President Emmanuel Macron sounded awfully angry about something happening a whole continent away. Anyone attacking French nationals, the army, diplomats, and rights of way would see France respond immediately and intractably. The President of the Republic will not tolerate any attack against France and its interests. Yeah, those French interests would certainly include uranium. And now we've been hearing multiple Western press reports that the military junta, now in charge, has cut off exports of both uranium and gold to France, and that comes as really bad timing for Paris, which has become even more reliant on its nuclear power plants after cutting itself off from Russian gas with the rest of the EU to impress Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. And kind of the same way that college party guys work themselves into a frenzy and do dumb things like jump off a roof to impress girls. Germany is already on the verge of deindustrializing because Europe's economic engine can't run on wind and sun. Who knew? Apparently not Berlin. But at least France had not completely bought into Berlin's green fantasies and mothballed all their nuclear power plants, although Macron was certainly heading in that direction. So plan B after the Russian gas cutoff was to power them back up. But now Niger has suspended the export of the uranium that they require with the immediate effect. But hey, no problem though, right? Because France has other suppliers like Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, except who largely controls the transport of those to Europe? Russia's nuclear giant, Rosatom. Whoops. We will resist this oppressor's rule. We will uphold that the constitution and our national anthem uphold us as citizens. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. The political elites of this country know what we deserve as a people. When it is time for them to come to us for power, you hear the words they say. We are going to build for you good hospitals. We are going to build good schools. We are going to build an opportunity for you young investors to get into businesses. And when they get an opportunity, what do they do? Nothing. They enslave us and make sure they better their own futures for the children of their children. Their yet unborn generation is what they prepare the future for. What of Ghana? Look at how we've made this country. Look at Ghana now. Look at Ghana now. As bad as it looks, we can make it better. We can fix it. And until we all come together as youth of this country, until African youth come together as one and resist this oppression that our leadership is giving us, it will never happen. And Kuma said this, that our independence is meaningless until the total liberation of Africa. I relate this to the current situation we find ourselves as youth. Until we come together, put away our political affiliations and rise up together and say enough is enough. I am MPP, I am MDC, I am a youth. I deserve better. Nothing is going to change. Enough is enough. Let's our brothers from the share. We are in this together. We are in this together. One Africa, no matter where you stand, yes. no matter where you're coming from, yes. we are one people. We are one people. Oh, yes. We are one people. We deserve better. We deserve better. We deserve better. Africa needs better because we deserve it. Enough is enough. So every time things escalate with Russia, you notice they always escalate with China as well. Look at what's going on between China and the Philippines. Crazy. Shared a Philippine Coast Guard video of the incident. 
It shows a Chinese ship cutting through the path of a PCG vessel. The PCG regularly escorts Philippine troops during the resupply missions to the BRP Sheramate, a makeshift naval outpost on the Ayun Shoal. Maritime security expert Ray Powell says two Chinese militia ships passed within the meters of the Philippine vessels. Powell earlier said at least three Chinese vessels were in the area, with some 12 Chinese militia ships poised to enforce a blockade. It's unclear whether the Philippine Coast Guard completed its resupply mission. Don't forget, if the Philippines goes to war with China, we go to war with China as well. And I mean the United States. Probably more countries, to be honest. <laughs> My bad. There was a part of the video of Vladimir Putin's speech that I forgot to put in the last video. It was the part when he said that he would have to go through Duma to unratify the agreement between the United States and Russia to stop testing nukes. Because his camp's been asking him to test nuclear weapons. And he already just said that he tested one. Which y'all can see in the last video, he said he tested a missile with a nuclear load. But now he's saying since the United States didn't ratify the agreement, then technically Russia don't have to abide by the agreement either, and they can start testing nukes. And I have the part on here where the Duma's like laughing and looking pretty excited about it, because they've been asking Vladimir Putin to do this. I can't believe people still sleep. Watch this. As a rule, experts say that new weapons we have to, we have to make sure that the military payload works without fail and we have to test. And I can't, I'm not prepared to say whether we need to test it or not, but, but I would like to reiterate that behaving in a mirror kind of mirroring the actions of of the united states you know when we signed and ratified and they signed but not ratified we we can behave mirror their actions this is a question for our duma in theory we can recall that ratification and this would be quite sufficient if we did that Man, how y'all go from looking like this to looking like this? Like, yeah, 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 let's nuke the Americans. Yeah, let's test nukes. Yeah. I don't know, Americans. We might have met our match with this one, man. These guys look crazy. <laughs> the United States also shot down a Turkish drone that was too close to their troops. While the United States and Turkey are usually in close coordination, there's been a little rift in their alliance lately. Mostly because of the transfer of F-16s in the United States training the Kurds. There was a terrorist attack on Turkey by the Kurds. And now Turkey has been really pissed off about the operation in Iraq. And they're saying they're not going to let any terrorists on their border. This could cause the United States and Turkey to clash. But Turkey could clash with other allies that's doing operations in Syria. China's warning that there's more Philippine vessels that is in their undisputed water. And Turkey's taking over the Kosovo mission because of the clash between them and Serbia. Which that would be another standoff between NATO and Russia. Crazy. Well, let's talk about the World War III news. In the last video, we was talking about how Vladimir Putin said if an enemy attacked them, that they would, you know, match him with hundreds of Russian nuclear missiles. And that he was talking about deploying the Sarmat SR-28, which is a Satan II missile, which is able to blow up an area the size of Texas, the UK, or France. And I have to use the Tsar Bomba as an example because this is a 50 megaton nuke. So the Tsar Bomba was the last Russian missile that was tested the most powerful. You know, they 
really got the world scared with this. This is what the missile will be compared to. So now they're making missiles that are just as powerful as a Tsar Bomba. Not only that, but in this video, I'll be talking about how he actually admitted that Russia conducted a nuclear test and saying since the United States didn't ratify the deal to stop nuclear tests, that Russia can start doing nuclear tests again and that they're going to put a do their Duma and see if they can start doing tests. And their Duma seemed pretty excited about that idea. I, didn't, I don't like that. I hear that there are calls to start testing nuclear weapons, to come back to testing of nuclear weapons. Here's what I'd say here. The United States have signed um, uh, a document, a corresponding document on on uh, banning the uh, nuclear tests. And Russia signed it, signed it and ratified it. The United States signed it, but did not ratify it. Now we practically finished the work on uh, modern strategic armaments. I announced, announced this um, several years ago. We have conducted the last successful test of Borivestnik. It's a rocket of global reach with, uh, with uh, a nuclear load. So yes, not only did he threaten destruction, he also threatened that this is going to be a mass production and he said that he did a nuclear test. If y'all want to hear the other statements, check out my last video. Like I promised, let's talk about the World War III news. Here's footage from yesterday's Russian nuclear drills, but also we're going to talk about the United States and Russia running drills on the same day. Yes, today is a nationwide emergency drill that Russia decided to match our energy with since we were holding one today. Anyways, let's get into it. So in the last video, y'all saw the sirens that were blaring off. They happened across 11 time zones. This was a nationwide nuclear drill. This one is them giving instructions on the streets. These are emergency teams. Then we got more sirens. This is a picture of them instructing people on how fast to put on a gas mask or a radioactive mask with a hazmat suit and the boots. So if any citizens seen a nuclear blast or anything like that and they had these on hand, they would be able to put these on pretty fast. They also blared sirens at schools and handed out also radioactive masks and practiced how fast you could put on your gas masks in the schools. So yes, guys, this is serious. They also did emergency protocol. As usual, emergency services with hazmat suits was carrying out patrols. But they wasn't only just a practicing emergency situations with, you know, as far as danger to lives and stuff. They were also practicing martial law and directing people to their bunkers. More than likely higher officials, but still they were doing these drills. They're getting ready to lose 70% of their housing, infrastructure, and possibly population. Here's more alerts from their TVs. This was blared all across TVs across Russia and emergency patrols during martial law so there's a lot that they were practicing guys in deep detail 
Chilling moment, nuke incoming, siren sound, and school kids wear gas masks and award drills as Putin readies Russians for World War III. What the fuck, America? Where's our nuclear war drills? Oh, wait, we got something completely different. So as of today, the United States was originally just going to be doing the emergency nationwide drills, which is going to be on our phones. So Russia matched the energy. They're also going to be sending emergency alert systems to their phones in Russia, which I think they already did as of this video. But yes, nationwide emergency alert tests for October 4th test message will be sent to all TVs, radios, and cell phones. The same thing that Russia did to their nuclear drills. Yeah, there's no conspiracy. I was actually able to verify that Russia did send out their emergency alerts to their phones already. I don't know if it's to everybody already, but I do know that they have already updated and said that some are sent out. We're just waiting for the United States now. Now we all know North Korea teamed up with Russia, China, and Iran. The Pentagon put out a report a couple of days ago marking them all as nuclear threats. And now North Korea is saying they're going to retaliate against this because they already said they're on the verge of nuclear war in the Korean Peninsula. Here's a report about the Pentagon actually marking North Korea and Iran as persistent threats in the weapons of mass destruction strategy, while calling Russia an acute threat and China a pacing threat. With us calling them all some kind of a nuclear threat, is this their way of changing their weapons of mass destruction strategy? Because it's starting to seem like countries are comfortable with the idea of using nuclear weapons now. The Pentagon for cyber warfare with China and Russia which is also going to mark security issues coming from the two countries, you know, in cyberspace. We have NATO announcing that they are running out of weapons for Ukraine, so I wonder if this is an excuse for them to step into this war. We have Iran saying that the United States is no longer a superpower because they have threats from China, Russia, and North Korea. And that North Korea says down here. And that we will face them all at the same time. Y'all better wake up. More news next. So you know how the Pentagon and the Congress is arguing over money right now? Congress is holding up the Pentagon's funding and the Pentagon is kind of like warning the Congress that they're running out of money for Ukraine. The White House is kind of stuck in the middle, but I was starting to wonder, like, if the Pentagon really started getting pissed off, could they, like, run some kind of coup? They're the ones in charge of the military, right? And the Congress and Senate funds them, right? That's why they said Lloyd Austin should only make, like, one dollar or they were going to pass a bill to make them have only one dollar for a salary and in that case i think there would be some kind of split in our military because i remember back in 2021 we were warned that there would be a split in our military in 2024 and civil war originally i thought it was going to be like some kind of split between democrats and republicans because it seemed like they were starting to target each other now i'm starting to think it's going to be the pentagon and possibly congress or you know, the president depending how things turn out because there's been a lot of stuff coming out guys i don't know if y'all been realizing like the stuff that's coming out here at home our leaders are looking bad on the world stage like really bad and at this point y'all see things are brewing off across overseas as today russia is doing their nuclear war drills and it's a nationwide drill this is the first time in history they've ever done this Usually it's region to region, but this one is nationwide. And now Putin is being urged to detonate a nuclear bomb just to show the world that they're serious and that they need to back down. And even their news is starting to warn of nuclear war between the West and Russia again. So, I mean, this is getting crazy. Armenia is now aligning with the International Criminal Court with arresting Vladimir Putin if he steps foot on their soil. During the CSTO, which is pretty much run by Russia, is led by Russia, it's a little uh, former Soviet Union group, and um, they're supposed to be on each other's side, but Russia let 
Azerbaijan take Nagorno-Karabakh and they didn't do nothing for Armenia. They had no security guarantees. So now Armenia is switching sides. So yeah, Vladimir Putin, you can't go there no more. Looks like y'all done done. And then NATO's testing an underwater drone. Like with all this shit happening, like everybody knows something's coming, but I'm wondering what's gonna happen here at home. Cause I know things are gonna be unstable. Everybody ain't gonna be in this whole program life no more. They're finally gonna wake up to reality and be like, oh shit, what have I been doing my whole life? Like this is it. it. <laughs> but with things getting bad, what do you guys think? Would the Pentagon turn against Congress? Or do you guys think they're all linked like this? With Watch this shit. Why in Ukraine is raging on. Both sides are reporting aerial drone and missile attacks. But a new report has once again reignited the debate of use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine. A satellite imagery and aviation data suggests that Russia may be preparing to test an experimental nuclear-powered cruise missile. An analysis by New York Times notices movements of aircraft and vehicles near a Russian base in the Arctic region. The remote base is known for conducting tests of nuclear-powered missiles. Similarly, over the last two weeks, U.S. surveillance planes have also been tracked in that area. According to a report by Nuclear Threat Initiative, earlier, between 2017 to 2019, Russia conducted 13 known tests. However, these tests were unsuccessful. U.S. also claims in 2019 an unsuccessful launch killed seven people. The missile is known as the Burevetsnik or SSC X-9 Skyfall. Experts have warned if used during wartime, the missile may destroy large urban areas and military targets. Putin claims these missiles can overpower and outmaneuver existing U.S. defense systems. Russia has shared little about the design of the missile. However, Putin claims the weapon is nuclear-powered, while adding that it can carry a warhead. Study the Bible so I know it well. Yeah, can't let nobody make myself a cell. Can't even lie, yeah, I still struggle, but I know myself. I fear God, I told him I don't want to go to hell. Pray for the sermon, I'll be asking what's the gift in me. Must be this music, cause the world think I'm so sick with it. I switch my style, some people love it, some trying to get with it. I think what matters most is I'm living out what's God written. I make mistakes, but I embrace them, I'm still human. I escape from that place that made me feel ruined. So every day I still chase what I think I'm losing. And pray to God in the end that I don't look stupid. Why do I feel I'm unable? Double-minded, I'm unstable. Wanna put all me on the table so God can make me an angel. Was living life like Cain cause I was jealous of Abel. God told me, look up, child, I just wanna save you. I need to hear your voice in life so I could get through this. For you, I shoot for the stars every time and I don't miss. Every time I drop a hit, I still don't feel the bliss. And deep down I know it's only cause I'm still living in sin. You transform my pen, they laughed at me, now I'm laughing with them. Transform my gifts so now I can't even rap with them. I need to use my talents cause the devil be distracting them.